You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Election College, Episode 24, The Kansas-Nebraska Act and Bleeding Kansas. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey everybody, it's Ben Smith. And I'm Jason Goff. And we want to thank you very much for joining us for another episode of Election College. Let's get into it. Ben. Yeah? Hey, we're working on the election 1856, right? Yeah, yeah, we were until it became pretty apparent that there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, like the Kansas-Nebraska Act, big changes. Pretty much some serious changes. And the whole bleeding Kansas thing, who can forget about that, right? Yeah, so you want to stop and talk about it for a while? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it seems like every year something big is happening in the country. Well, I guess that's always, but something big is <laughs> happening that affects elections and affects the State of the Union, essentially. Uh, hey, that's a good thing. We should have called this the State of the Union. That's never been used before. Hey, that's a great idea. Yeah, we got lots of one-term presidents, and presidents are dying, and... People relatively unknown are ascending to the presidency, and they're not being elected. And the successors to the dead presidents are not really agreeing with their predecessors. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to see with all the access we have to news, instant uh, news articles, articles written sometimes before things even happen. Uh, what the yeah. what the reaction to things like this would be today in the political climate we have, where everything's like, hey, I know this right now. Yeah, and I mean, think about it. Like political party platforms are pretty strong and important right now. And uh-huh. back then, you had north south. You had political parties which were a little bit more transient at the time. I guess you could say um, they kind of came and went. So. Yeah, it would be really interesting if, not that I'm wishing this on our country, but if this were to happen today, it would be completely different, I would think. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, in the last episode, we talked about Franklin Pierce. Uh, he's our dark horse candidate, and through a series of events, he becomes the president. Yeah, and if you remember back in the 1852 election, there's really no difference between the Whigs and the Democrats at that point. Um The Whigs, after the election, end up going away completely. Um, The two pillars of the Whig Party, uh, Daniel Webster and Henry Clay, they die in 1852, and voter turnout is low. It's actually the lowest it's been in three decades. Yeah, so there may be other factors to that, but certainly one of the biggest factors to voter turnout being low has to be the parties are all kind of the same, so why do we why do we care? 
Right. Uh, I mean, and, and of course, people who are really into history are going to say, no, they were totally different still. But let's be honest, they were pretty close. So Franklin Pierce, uh, our buddy Frank, uh, he's the president, and he's just kind of hanging out, watching everything change. Yeah, and so what really ends up defining uh, Frankie's administration, his time in the presidency, um, is the Kansas-Nebraska Act. So Frank is all about expansion. You know, manifest destiny, right? We've got this territory. It's called the Nebraska Territory. And for the most part, it's unsettled. Uh, it's just kind of out there in the in the wilderness. And the Missouri's there, and the Rockies are there, and parts of Texas and Canada are there. And it's like this gigantic chunk of land. Yeah. And let, let's stop for just a moment, okay? Okay. I'm, okay, I'm stopped. I'm I, I want to introduce you to someone, Ben. Okay. Are you ready? Uh-huh. Okay. Hey, this is Stephen A. Douglas. Hi, Stephen. How are you? Can I call you Steve? Can I call sure. you Steve for short? Sure. Steve, okay. Stevie Dougie, something like that. Stevie I don't know. Dougie. Have you ever heard it said you should never trust a man with two first names? You definitely shouldn't. Okay. Just checking. What if he has three first names? I, I wonder what the A stands for. Mm, I bet it's Andrew or something. Yeah, probably. Never trust anybody whose middle name is Andrew. No. So, Stephen Douglas, he is from Illinois, and he's a Democrat. He's a U.S. senator. And if you remember, back in this era, senators, there's some really powerful people. You know, the two guys that we just talked about who died, Daniel Webster and Henry Clay, they they were senators and pretty powerful. We're still talking about them, you know, over 150, 180 years later. Anyway, so Stephen Douglas, he is the senator from Illinois, and like other people in the past, <laughs> he's short, but he's mighty. He's a, little, he's a little short, little short guy. A lot of people called him the little giant, and they later made a movie about him. So that's not true. I made that part up. Uh, but <laughs> we'll we'll talk about some of his uh, debate skills and how he influenced politics uh, at, at a later time. But um, he was... Just to start, I mean, he was all about this idea of the popular sovereignty. Yeah, so we've talked about that a little bit before. That's the idea that the people in the territories should determine whether or not they're going to be free or slave territories or states instead of allowing Congress to, term to determine it for them. Yeah, there's a lot that can be said about Douglas, uh, but the main thing we want to get across here and we want to talk about is that he's the designer of the Kansas-Nebraska Act. And so we're already, we've already talked about the Missouri Compromise. We've talked about the Compromise of 1850. And um, we're going to get into that a little bit more. But if you're above the Compromise line, you're free. And if you're south of the Compromise line, you're a slave state. Yeah. So Douglas is really pushing to have a railroad that goes from Chicago to California. That sounds good, right? Oh, yeah. Actually, that does sound really nice. Yeah, so great idea. But all of this area known as the Nebraska Territory, it has to be settled because you just can't have, like, nothing there. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And the Southerners are thinking, well, we've invested in this settling stuff and our money and men are going for the effort. And so we think we should have a say 
and the Slave versus Free Act, or the Slave versus Free decisions that are being made. Yeah, so Douglas, being all about popular sovereignty, says, hey, let's just have the local people who are settling in these areas determine what's what in the territory. But this violates the Compromise of 1820 because slavery isn't supposed to be happening north of the Compromise Line. And the Southerners are like, okay, no worries. The, the Compromise of 1850 allowed California to be admitted to the Union as a free state, you know, even though some of the state was south of the line. And then Douglas is thinking, well, let's split the Nebraska Territory into two parts. We got this northern part. We'll call it Nebraska, and there'll be no slavery there. And then we've got a southern part. We'll call it Kansas, and we will allow slavery there. Yeah, so Franklin Pierce, he's in the White House, and he's saying, huh, let's not really talk about slavery here. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the biggest issue going on, and he's just kind of like, no, no. We'll put it behind us for now. (laughs) So uh, Douglas is like, hey, listen, Frank, uh, we need some southern support to get all this territory settled, and we need a railroad, trust me. Turns out he was right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Pierce knows that none of this is really going to be well-received by the Northerners. And Douglas and Jefferson Davis – oh, Jefferson Davis. Mm. That's something I hadn't thought about talking about in the future. He sounds familiar. He does, yeah. Uh, They had to have taken him out for a drink or seven, and (laughs) they convinced Frank to support the Kansas-Nebraska Act. And guess what? The Northerners – they're not real big fans of the act and all sorts of stuff starts bubbling up to the surface. Yeah. So the Democrats, they're on board with Frank's administration really just because of promises and threats. Yeah, for real. And, and we should back up for just a moment and say that Jefferson Davis, he was the secretary of war, which right now when we think of secretary of war, we're thinking, you know, across the world, but he's pretty influential here in domestic or continental affairs. So um, meanwhile, the Whigs, um, they're still hanging around a little bit, but um, this really leads to the demise, the ultimate demise of the party that they're just, they're just kind of clueless in the whole matter. So all this political turmoil that's going on, it, it, it just sees the short term influence of the anti-Catholic American Party, uh, often called the Know-Nothings, and we'll get into why that is. And it also leads to the founding of the Republican Party. So we know, obviously, that the one that sticks around is the anti-Catholic American Party, right? Right, right. Yeah, everybody knows that one. That's really popular nowadays. Yeah, yeah, they're very popular right now. Um, so after the act was being debated, um, settlers on both sides of the slavery issue poured into the territories so as to secure the outcome that they wanted in the voting. Sounds like cheating to me. It, 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 it sounds like manifest settling to me. <laughs> and uh, I made that up. So the passage of the act resulted in so much violence between groups that the territory became known as bleeding Kansas. And thousands upon thousands of pro-slavery border ruffians, they go across into Missouri to vote, 
uh, and they they go in and vote in these territorial elections, even though they're not residents of Kansas, and they give them the victory, which, you know, kind of crazy that our nation's history was determined in, in large part by people who voted un, unlegally, unlawfully. Right, right. That never happens. No, never happens ever again. Uh, Pierce supports the outcome, and despite all the irregularities and um, probably illegalities that happen. And when the free staters set up a shadow government and they draft the Topeka Constitution, then Pierce calls their work an act of rebellion. Yeah, because keep in mind, Pierce is pro-slavery, and he's continuing to recognize the pro-slavery legislature, which was dominated by Democrats. And even after a congressional investigative committee found its election to have been illegitimate, he dispatches federal troops to break up a meeting of the Topeka government. Man, (laughs) he really didn't want Topeka to succeed, did he? No, no. So... The passage of the act coincided with the seizures of escaped slave Anthony Burns in Boston, and Northerners rallied in support of Burns, but Pierce was determined to follow the Fugitive Slave Act to the letter, and he dispatches federal troops to enforce his return to his Virginia owner, despite the furious crowds. Yeah, so basically he's like, okay, I know that everybody is cool with this, but I'm not, so I'm going to send out the troops. It'd be like uh, if our next president, let's say, uh, is... I mean, this is not at all a good comparison, but (laughs) (laughs) marijuana is still federally illegal, but it's legal in some states. So it's like if the next president comes in and decides, we're going to enforce the federal laws now. Uh, every, Every state that has dispensaries for pot go out and arrest everybody involved because I like that law. Right. Right. Yeah. So with the Kansas Nebraska act now being law and it being very much pro popular sovereignty, the settlers are going to decide whether the territories are going to be free or slave. Yeah. And so the real question here is that that everybody's talking about, will Kansas enter the union as a free state or a slave state? And the pro-slavery forces say every settler has the right to bring their own property. And, of course, in some territories, slaves are considered property. Right. So the anti-slavery or free soil forces, they say that the rich slaveholders would buy up all the good farmland and work them with slaves, leaving little or no opportunity for non-slaveholders. So what we have here is a proxy war between the North and the South happening right there in Kansas. Yeah, and it gets pretty brutal, and Horace Greeley coins this term, bleeding Kansas. And Greeley was actually a really interesting figure in our history, and there's a lot to be said about Horace Greeley. So we'd like to talk more, but we we just can't. We've already gone off on a rabbit trail here with this episode, so we're just going to push forward. Right. He's got some serious neck beard going on. So that's pretty cool. I've seen some crazy pictures. (laughs) So the stage is all set and here's what begins to play out. So the settlers, they're coming into Kansas and many are from Missouri who support slavery. 
And Leavenworth, Kansas and Atchison, Kansas become pro-slavery towns. Yeah, and then the anti-slavery settlers from the north arrive in Kansas, and many thanks to the support of the New England Emigrant Aid Company, um, the the company was based in Massachusetts, and they wanted to bring anti-slavery settlers into Kansas, and so they actually helped create Lawrence, Topeka, and Manhattan. And it was like 2,000 people settled in Kansas from the north. Yeah, and you've heard that, like, where, you know, an event is called a massacre, and it was actually, like, five people died, not, you know, 200,000 yeah, yeah. or something like that. The The Southerners were hearing rumors that thousands and thousands of settlers were coming in from the north. So, like we mentioned before, the, the border ruffians from Missouri, <laughs> they're not actually, like, rich slave owners. Right, right. But they are very pro-slavery. They are pouring in from Missouri into Kansas. And what motivated them wasn't necessarily um, just the fact that Kansas was going to be a free state or a slave state or any of that. It's just that they really hated Yankees and abolitionists. (laughs) And they actually feared having black people live nearby. It's kind of uh, really sad that in many parts of the country, that sentiment hasn't gone away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so the the ruffians were actually driven by the rhetoric of some different leaders. And there's the uh, the guy who was president for a day, but mostly just slept on the couch, David Rice Atchison uh, from Missouri. He was not a fan of uh, the Northerners. He called them Negro thieves. He called them abolitionist tyrants. Uh, he basically told people from Missouri defend your whole land and your institution, everything, kill people if you have to. If they're an abolitionist, they're not good. Needless to say, he he was not a fan. Yeah. And like we said earlier, it really is a picture of what is about to happen with the entire country. And even abolitionist John Brown, uh, you know, the guy from uh, Harper's Ferry? Yep, yep. He comes out to Kansas in 1855 and um, there's just so many things that we could say, Ben, about this, but we are an election podcast. But by the time 1855 rolls around, we have two competing governments in Kansas. Yeah, so things are getting pretty heated, and if you know what's coming in the future, they're not going to slow down anytime soon at all. Yeah, and so just an anecdote from this era in May of 1856 – on in the federal government, um, the Republican Senator Charles Sumner, he was taking the floor to denounce the threat of slavery in Kansas and humiliate its supporters. Um, so he is like devoting himself to the destruction of slave power. That's what the Republicans were calling the Democratic efforts. He ridiculed the honor of an elderly South Carolina senator named Andrew Butler. And Butler was portraying his pro-slavery agenda um, towards Kansas with the raping of a virgin and characterizing his affection for it in sexual and revolting terms. So the next day, Butler's cousin, who was a congressman from South Carolina, his name was Preston Brooks, he nearly kills Sumner on the Senate floor with a heavy cane 
And that action electrified the country. It brought violence to the floor of the Senate and really deepened the North-South split. I thought stuff like that only happened in Parliament, where people oh, get I beat know. with canes. Man, I guess Parliament and 1856 America are the two places where you can get beat with a cane in <laughs> right. a, a lawful proceeding. Right. Dang. Yeah, and we talk about how things are so violent now. Um, I haven't seen anybody get caned lately in, in the Senate. No, but I have wanted to cane a few people, so there's that. Yeah, yeah, but you didn't actually go through with it. No, no. Oh, well, like, like Jason said a minute ago, there is so much more that's going on at this time that leads into influencing future elections, that leads into the Civil War. But when we started out, we said, hey, let's talk about elections. So that's what we're going to do. So uh, I think we'll just stick there with the whole bleeding Kansas ordeal. Yeah, and if you have um, anecdotes about um, about this era, if you have any stories that you'd like to share, we'd love to hear from you on our Facebook page, on Twitter, on Instagram, and interact with us there. But um, we know we can't be all things to all people. Uh, we are an election podcast, and keep that in mind as we move forward through a very tumultuous time in our history. Yeah, seriously, uh, Jason and I are both big history fans, uh, enjoy learning about the Civil War, and it's going to be really hard for us both not to just be like, all right, let's tear <laughs> this battle apart for six weeks and talk about each one that way. So yeah, thanks for sticking with us. We're going to talk about some more elections coming up very soon. But like Jason said, don't forget to check us out online. Review us on iTunes. Electioncollege.com slash review and leave us a nice pretty review. It'd make us happy. Yeah. We might even mention you and throw out some love in the podcast and social media universes. I think that's everything I have, Jason. How about you? Yep. I'm ready for eighteen fifty six. Sounds good. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next time. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.